Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good to see everyone today. It's good to see some visitors and people back with us. Uh, we are glad you are here, and we hope you will come back uh, each and every opportunity that you have. You will find here, I believe, a group of people who uh, are struggling with problems, people who uh, have trouble in their lives, but uh, people who are joyfully taking each step along that journey of life because we know where we're going when we're going home to be with Jesus. So if you want to join us on that journey, you've taken that first proper step today by being here with us at Leslie Avenue. We're glad you're here. This morning, we're going to have a special uh, service with a message. We're going to talk about prayer, but we're actually going to have quite a few prayers today. Uh, we have asked in the the last week or two for people to send give some prayer requests and send some prayer requests and we have those and at one point later in the service I'm going to do something that I some of us have seen done uh, at uh, another uh, organization I'm actually going to take my hand and go through the auditorium pointing across at everybody and when we do that if there is someone in particular that you want us to remember in prayer, whether they're sick or you know that they're having trouble, we want to ask that you would call out their name. So if I'm pointing over this direction toward Matt and he knows Gene's got all sorts of problems, which he does, he can simply call out Gene. And we're going to just, I'll go slowly, so I'm telling you ahead of time so you can be thinking about it so it's not a sudden freeze up of the, of the tongue. So be thinking ahead, who, if we're not mentioning them, you would like to have us collectively all hear the names so we can take that person, those people, before God's throne in prayer. So that will be coming later. Not, I won't surprise you when it comes. I'm trying to give you a heads up. So let's talk for a few minutes about prayer. I love the uh, image of this uh, woman who is praying. Prayer. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 8. The Bible says a great deal about prayer. We'll come back to James 5 that was read earlier. But this is Jesus speaking in what's often called the Sermon on the Mount. And look at what he says about prayer. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they are fond of praying standing in the synagogues and at the corners of the streets so that they may be seen by people. This is the truth, I tell you. They are paid in full. But when you pray, go into your private room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what happens in secret will give you your reward in full. When you pray, do not pile up meaningless phrases as the Gentiles do. For their idea is that they will be heard because of the length of their words. So then do not be like them, for your father knows things you need before you ask him. I have often thought that at times when Jesus or at some point in, in the Bible, people are being condemned or fussed at because of things that they're doing wrong, that there's been a tendency for those of us at any point afterward, like today, to read that and say, how could these people have made these kinds of mistakes? What were they thinking? 
And the implication is often that we would never do those things. And yet, I'm afraid very, very often, we may in fact be doing the exact same things. There's no time limit or expiration or statute of limitations on the things that the Bible is going to say, don't be like that. Because I hear in this short series of verses from Jesus, some things that we may very well be guilty of. So let's take a look at some of the problems the Jewish people had with prayer back in the time of Jesus. And then let's see how it applies to all of us today. No nation, no group of people had ever had a higher ideal of prayer than the Jewish people had. And no religion, pagan or otherwise, had ever had prayer rank higher in the scale of priorities than the Jewish people did. Greatest prayer, the rabbis said, greater than all good works. No matter how many good things you could do to help people, none of that compared, the rabbis thought, to going to God, going to your Father in prayer. But certain faults, certain mistakes, certain misplaced priorities had crept into Jewish habits of prayer. And it says, as I say, if we're not careful, some of those faults may impact our prayers as well. What faults am I talking about? What faults had crept into the Jewish habits of prayer? Well, let's take a look. Prayer tended to become formalized. Prayer had tended to become formalized. Uh, when you think about that, that's where you have certain code words and certain language styles that are used in prayer that no one uses any other time. Certainly we want to be respectful when we speak to the creator of the universe and the creator of all of us, but at the same time, it needs to come from the heart rather than formal types of address. And so how does that work out for us today? Well, think about saying grace before meals terms of formal. We've all probably heard at some point, maybe we've even done it, where you might sit down to eat before a meal and you might say, God is great, God is, what comes next? Good, good. good, right? God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. That is a formal thing if we just hurry on through it. Or other phrases that can occur in our prayers. Guard, guide, and what? Direct. Because that is a phrase that Kids have heard sometimes growing up in prayers all the time, and they learn to say it many times, especially when they're right at the end of a prayer. Guard God and direct us, amen. Um, we need to guard against formalizing prayer. It's perfectly okay. In fact, I would personally prefer heartfelt prayer expressing what's really on somebody's mind and heart, whether it falls into the usual way of addressing God or not. God does not score somehow a prayer based on the number of formal words that get used. God would much rather hear a prayer where somebody is really speaking what's, what they're feeling than anything else. So prayer can become formalized. We need to guard against it. You don't want to be flippant. You don't want to be laid back when you're speaking to the creator of the universe. But we need to guard against formality when it's not really addressing what's on our hearts. 
Further, Jewish worship, worship services and the Jewish mode of life supplied prayers for all sorts of occasions. Um, if you have seen any part of The Chosen, you can hear sometimes in this series, uh, this video series about Jesus and the apostles, Jewish prayers that were stated before somebody went to bed, before they had a drink of water, before they ate, when they rose up in the morning, there were certain specific prayers for any and all circumstances that were already more or less developed and people had learned. When you think about stuff like this, when you look at it from our perspective, uh, they said, the Jewish people said, if a man says his prayers as if to get through a set task, check mark, right? Oh, I'm about to go to sleep. I need to pray to God. Uh, thank you, God, for this day. Amen. Check. Right? Doing something before I can fall asleep. The rabbi said if a man or a woman says his prayers as if to get through a task, that is no prayer. It's not a prayer if you're doing it simply to go through something that's a requirement. They also said, do not look on prayer as a formal duty, something you have to do, but as an act of humility where you go to God for mercy. Which of those two approaches do you, would you suspect is most likely to really be heard by the creator of the universe? I really think it's going to be somebody going with an open heart looking for mercy and strength to get through the day. Still further, Jewish people uh, back then had set times for prayer. Set times for prayer. Well, that would never happen to us, would it? Right? That would never happen to us. Well, meals, right? We mentioned that a moment ago. You know, certainly some sort of a dinner meal. You can't possibly start eating without a prayer. I'm not saying don't pray before you eat. But why am I praying before I eat? Is this the only prayer I have said today? Is, will this be the only prayer I end up saying today? Or when you go to bed, I think it's a great idea to end the day speaking to God and talking about the things that went well in the day, the things that did not go so well today, what you really want to go different tomorrow. But don't let these two specific times become the only times we speak to God. Jewish people had done that type of thing and I fear sometimes it can happen to us as well. There was also a tendency to connect prayer with certain places. You know, in the synagogue or the temple or, or different places. That's, this was the place for prayer. That wouldn't happen to us, would it? Well, we've talked about it. The dinner table. Prayer at the dinner table or in a church building. Prayer can and should happen anywhere, not be associated with certain places, certain times, and certain events. There was also among Jewish people a, a, a tendency toward very, very long prayers, very long prayers. Um, in fact, it grew so bad that it was as if People thought they would be heard for their many, many words. Do you remember what Jesus said? He was talking about the Gentiles back here in Matthew 6. They think they will be heard for their long words, but it wasn't just the Gentiles. 
How does that affect us? Well, there's a big difference between short and sweet in terms of a prayer, which I can imagine a 10 or 12 year old with the first prayer they ever say, they're terrified. And the primary thing they want to do is say something and get away from wherever that microphone is or get away from anybody looking at them. They, they might very well, even in a prayer in a church building, come out with the God is great, God is good. That's okay. But there's a big difference between that and a 15 to 20 minute prayer, which can be hard for anyone to maintain concentration. So, in effect, Jesus says there are two great rules for prayer. And I think these are important rules that we need to make sure we're aware of as well. He insists that true prayer needs to be offered to God. Prayer is not for the people who overhear you. It's really not for the people at the other table if you're eating out in public. Prayer is an approach to God who made us to thank him for the things that he's given us, to say how we are going to do better, we're sorry for the mistakes that we've made, we know we've made mistakes, and to ask for grace and mercy to do more for him tomorrow. Prayer is to God. And I think this is a critical idea. I do. Jesus would insist that we always remember that the God to whom we pray is a God of love who is more ready to answer prayer than many times it seems we are ready to offer one. You're never going to get a busy signal, as it were, when you pray to God. And I think it's a very true statement right here. I can imagine. God wanting prayers to be made to him. In some cases, a lot more than we seem to want to pray to God. So prayer is incredibly important. It's the one time that you and I have to speak directly to the one who created the universe. It's not something we should overlook as an opportunity. Now, this morning, we have some specific prayers. Right? We have some prayers that have been turned in. We're going to spend the rest of the morning reading over some of the prayer requests, talking about some of them, and having a series of prayers for each grouping that I have made. Why would we do that? Why are we going to spend the time doing that this morning? I think this is where a big part of James 5 comes in. James said... Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And I think that's something we ought to talk about in the future. It's almost many times, heaven forbid, any of us would admit that we have problems and things we need help with. But we are told to confess our sins to one another, talk about the fact that we all have struggles. When we don't do that, the one who is struggling often thinks, well, it's just me. Why is it just me that's having these problems? Nobody else at church services seems to be struggling with anything. What's wrong with me? Whereas if we heard more that we all have things that we struggle with, we all have worries, we all have things that are on our minds, maybe we feel a little less is it were almost lonely by thinking, 
I'm the only one that has problems. But that's not the emphasis today. Confess your sins to each other, which is very important. We're going to talk about that at some point. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. So let's take a look at some of the um, prayer requests that we've had this morning. One of them was asking for prayer to have more time to dedicate to God and for service. And so I wanted, before we pray for that, to give some thoughts here about how we might be able to find more time to dedicate to God and to service. One suggestion I would make would be to pray at all times. Now, please don't do that as you're crossing the street if you're driving, while you're, there's a difference. I'm not talking about praying without ceasing in terms of 24-7 constantly, but don't have simply dedicated times and places where you speak to God. One way to dedicate time to God is to know God better and to have your heart open before God more often than perhaps we might. Pray at all times, certainly a lot more often perhaps than we might. Make it part of your routine. Again, make it to where when you have an opportunity, it is natural to pray and to speak to God. Make your social activities involve more of your brothers and sisters. Right? Paul will say that evil companions can corrupt good morals. So you might be a good person, but if you're hanging around people who are not good people, that rubs off on you. So one way to have more time to God in service is to be around brothers and sisters, be around other people who are focusing on God because that can rub off on us too. So whatever social activities you might have, and Lindsley Avenue has a lot of those that where we gather in this building and we do things to try to help people. The more we can be involved in that together, the more it's going to be that we'll find we have more time to dedicate to God in the service. Another suggestion, read God's word. Let God speak to you. Prayer is about speaking to God, but read God's word and let God speak to you. We do that in our classes. Find the time, have the opportunity to simply read more when we're not in a special place or a place that we make special such as a church building. And I think I need to remind ourselves to do it. They make these little things sometimes like post-it notes. Uh, if you have any post-it notes, maybe we can find some, but if you have any, put a note you know, on a dresser, put a note by your bed, put a note where you keep your toothbrush or whatever it is, and have it simply say, thank God, or pray, or love my neighbor, if we can keep it up here, then I think what we'll find is we have more time to dedicate to God in service because God is here more than he might have been. And another important one is to give thanks. Be thankful for the opportunities that we have, for the blessings that we have. Even if we don't have as many as we might have wanted, we all have the blessing of life. God woke us up this morning. What can we do with this blessing of today that God has given us? So with this first prayer request, I would ask if you would now that you bow with me and let's take 
this thought to God in prayer. Our Father, we are so thankful for the gift of our lives. We are thankful for the love that you have for us. Father, help us to be determined to find better ways to focus on loving you and loving our neighbor, more time to dedicate to you, to dedicate to doing good things, and to dedicate to showing how much we love you and how much we love our brothers and sisters and those that we are around. We ask you to help us to be determined to be more thoughtful of thanks that we should be giving you and the love that we should have for you and for each other. Father, again, continue to bless us and we thank you again so much for loving us. It's through your son we pray. This one by far was a tougher one. Um, the prayer request that was made was to pray that my children will return to God, to the faith of their youth. The, the problem with addressing this one is it's so, so very easy to put up some answers that are just going to be trite. They're going to be uh, too simple. And uh, this is something that's, that's so terribly hard, especially on a parent, especially on individuals who, looking at their lives, have, have raised their children and their children simply made their own choices and have gone on different paths. And what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Um, I want to suggest a couple of things. Um, the first, whenever, and I think this is a good practice at all, is to focus on God's character. Focus on God himself. And I'm going to read some statements from Psalm 139. I think we can be encouraged from knowing that God is one who, and these are statements all found in Psalm 139, so it's not on the handout that you have for today, but uh, write it down. Remember Psalm 139. Verse 1, God is one who searches us and knows us from the inside out. Knows us better than anyone. Verses 2 and 3, God is one who knows our every action and thought. Verse 4, God knows what we will say before we say it. And the thought is up here, God knows before it ever comes out. God is one who follows us everywhere we go in verses 8 through 12. Verses 13 and 15, God formed us and watched over us while we were in the womb before we were born. Verse 16 of Psalm 139. God wrote out our life story in his book before we even lived it. Verse 17 and 18. God thinks innumerable, uncountable, unmeasurable thoughts about us. God's thinking about us all the time. Verse 23. This one's important. God knows our anxieties. He knows what worries us including our children who may have made choices that we really wish they had not. God convicts us in verse 24 of our offenses and leads us in the right direction. 
This is a God who is in control. This is uh, the creator of the universe who knows us inside and out. And I think it's important that we remember and focus on those characteristics of God when we're thinking about things that really strike deep at who we are and strike us to the core of what we worry about and are concerned about. So what can we do in addition to that? I really think it's important that we pray for wisdom to know when to speak and when to be silent. That's such a hard skill. I freely admit that I don't have that down very well at all. There are times where we need to bite our tongue and keep our mouth shut because saying something is, is worse than saying nothing. But there are also times where we need to speak. Pray for wisdom to know when to do both of those. Pray, of course, for their eventual return. Take their name before God every day, several times a day. This one's an interesting one here. Pray for the softening of our own heart. Anticipate their return and pray for our hearts to be softened so that the welcome they will receive back is going to be a loving one. I don't have all the answers at all for this one, but with those thoughts in mind, let's go to God in prayer for this prayer. Father, we, we love you for loving us, and we are so thankful that you have blessed so many of us with children. Father, as your children, we know that you love us and that you struggle when we make decisions where we have walked away from you. Father, we ask you to Bless us, those of us who are parents, that we will have our faith and hope and trust in you, that we will do what we can to be the influence in the lives of our children who may have made choices that have led them away from you. Father, please help us as we seek to find ways to lead our children back to you, to a right relationship with you. Help us to put all our cares and anxiety on you because we know that you love us and you care for us. Help us with our, our weaknesses, Father. Please, please help us to always have our, our faith and our hope set upon you. It's through your Son we pray. Amen. This one was a common one, and it was how to handle grief. Most of us, if we've lived any period of time at all, have, have lost people who are close to us, whether it's a parent, a child, someone close to us in our lives. Um, acceptance of grief and the ability to move forward. Pray for uh, our children and the loss of their mother. How do you handle grief? How do you deal with like that. Well, Psalm 34 is, is where I would want to try to draw some comfort here. Um, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted 
It saves those who are crushed in spirit. When you've lost someone close to you, whether it's a father, a mother, a child, a spouse, that will come very close if it doesn't to breaking your heart and crushing your spirit. I want us all to be aware that when those times come, and if they haven't come yet, they almost certainly will. Look at what the psalmist said here. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's there. He's with us when we are in pain where you can't even express words and he saves those who are crushed in spirit I also want us to remember that Jesus himself was acquainted with grief Jesus knows what it feels like to be grieving so for this one as well let's go to God in prayer Father we, we come to you again asking for your blessings on those of us who are grieving, who have experienced grief and loss. Father, please make sure that we remember that you are close to us when we are suffering, when we are grieving, when we are in pain from a loss. And help us to remind those who are in the middle of grief how close you are and the love you have for us is when we're feeling that. We love you, Father, and, and we want to feel your love around us when our world just seems sometimes to collapse when we have lost someone. Help us to be the hands of healing and comfort someone near us, near to us has experienced that grief. Father, help us to always remember that the transition from here to the hereafter is one that you are ready to welcome us once we cross the bridge. For your son, we pray. Just a couple more. One prayer request, I like this one, was to pray to remember to always be kind. Ephesians 4.32, Paul says, be kind to one another. And I like to look at some of the rest as, as how to be kind to one another. It's not really laid out that way, but be kind to one another. How? Tender hearted. What's the opposite of that? I think it would be hard hearted or hard headed. Hard hearted. Have a heart that is moved by troubles other people have. Um, be kind to one another. I can do that by having a heart that's tender to feel when people are struggling. Forgiving one another. Let the one who has never done wrong to someone else not forgive someone, right? We all have done things that we need to ask for forgiveness from brothers or sisters about. We all make mistakes. And it's so important to remember those because God in Christ has forgiven us. What right do I ever have than to not simply show kindness through my words, through my actions? So let's pray for uh, 
the ability to remember to be kind. Father, help us to always be mindful of our words and our actions, that when we have a choice, we will choose to be kind, that we will choose to show love and that we will respond out of love rather than out of harsh words or harsh actions. And as we seek to be kind, that we may develop a tender heart and a heart that is closer to the heart you have for us, one of love. It's through your son we pray. Amen. There were several here that were somewhat similar, praying for those who were sick, those who were looking for jobs and more. And the passage here from 1 Peter 5 really can apply to all of these. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties, all your cares on him, because he, God, cares for you. So this is the point. If you have someone on your heart who is uh, sick or looking for a job or simply having a period of trouble, that I would like to ask to see if anybody will do it today, that you would simply call out their name as my hand moves across the auditorium. Mary Elizabeth. names that you heard called out were on the minds and the lips of some of us here. And I suspect if we had done this more often, there might have been more names called out. It's always difficult when you're doing something for the first time. There are always people who are sick. We may not know about People that need help that we may not know about. Some of us know. So there's always the opportunity to not only pray for these individuals, but to be the relief, the help, the care, and the love by going to them. So let's pray for those who are uh, suffering. Father, we ask you to bless those who are sick that we've mentioned not only on the prayer list, but the names spoken here just a moment ago. That you would bless them, that you would help doctors, people who are working with them to be the relief and the help for them, that you would always help us to be your hands and your feet here to bring love and care and joy back into the lives of the people that we are around. Father, this, this pandemic continues. We ask that you would help it to go away when it can and that we would love people as this has made it so difficult sometimes for people to be loving. And that by showing love for people, we can let people know that we have your love in us. It's through your son we pray. Amen. And then I want simply, there, there's only one slide after this. Um, I had a final summary prayer. I'm going to let that one that we just had be it. We need to pray more often. It doesn't need to simply be at dinner table. 
doesn't simply need to be something we do before we go to sleep. Please do those. Please do those. But we need to pray more often. So, final thing here. I want us to always remember that when we pray, we come to a God who does not have to be pestered or battered. I should say not have to be pestered or battered into helping us. Talk about a typo. God is always there wanting to give, wanting to love, wanting to help. You don't have to beat up on God hoping for some help. He is there waiting to help. The greatest single gift he ever gave was his son. He came to this earth, lived and died for you, for me. The greatest gift, the only gift you can possibly give to God, the one that he wants is you. He wants your life to be living for him, not living for yourself. If there is anything we can do to help you today or to help you become a member of God's family, by understanding what Jesus did, by deciding today to turn your life around from wrong to right, and then to be buried in water, to die to your old way of living and being raised up to walk in a new life. Please, please do it today as we stand and sing.